Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. It is the ZIP podcast. This is the Xander's Inspirational Podcast. I am your host, the great upbeat Xander's. And we are actually joined today by the great Bill Barons. Bill, I don't know if you've got any of the other like nicknames or like uh, Gene always gets super ill with me because I don't like I don't know his nicknames and I feel bad about it, but I don't know any of your nicknames. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, that's all right. I, I don't necessarily have any nicknames. Perfect. That's perfect. That's that's kind of me, too. I'm not really much of a nickname guy. And I mean, like. You and I both know how bad I am with having a gimmick or anything useful. <laughs> so well, the only I, the only time I had a nickname, uh, well, I had family nicknames, which are unimportant. But when I was um, in college, uh, Mike Sager, who's a tremendous author and uh, has done a, a diversity of books and articles, and uh, you know his article about John Holmes created Boogie Nights. He's he's actually a real guy. Um, he used to call me Billy Bones. So for a while, it was uh, that was my nickname around my fraternity and around Emory University. But <laughs> that was that was that was like decades ago. So who cares? No, decades ago. That absolutely matters. So that's like the only nobody's ever given you like a wrestling nickname. They've, I mean, I understand family stuff, but is was there ever like a wrestling nickname? Uh, no, I, I mean, when I first got into when we first started doing Wild Side, I was always called the Damn Yankee. Um, which was always entertaining. You know, yeah, I was born in Vermont and I lived in the Northeast right. until third grade, but I grew up in Miami. So, okay. So I was a damn Yankee because I don't, I don't have a Southern accent unless I affect one. Well, you don't, well, in Miami, there is no such thing. Like whatever you have is what you have. Like there is well, no, and like, I grew up in a different Miami that exists now. The Miami that, that Miami that exists now is nothing like the Miami I was in. All we had was, um, Everything was just being built at the time. It was yeah. still very weirdly rural, uh, not really rich yet. Um, uh, we lived in the largest building that had been built uh, to date. It was a 21-story building, the Brickle Townhouse. And they, this that was like the biggest thing that existed. Okay. And it was only like half-assed built because I ended up working <laughs> in engineering, and the engineer was one of our the guy that ran the building was one of our, our friends. And, and he was constantly like having to, you know, just figure out how to keep it working. You know, so what are those kind of things? But it was cool. <laughs> Miami was great back in the day. Other than, you know, we used to play football against the, the, the Cuban guys uh, in the neighborhood. And every once in a while that got violent because they were bigger. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say, I'm sure. And I was I mean, the biggest guy on my group of kids from our neighborhood, so, and that's not okay, good. Okay, and you're, you're me what? Being, now, me being I was about to say, how, 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 so you're the tough guy of your neighborhood? Yeah, yeah I'm the quarterback, um, <laughs> the, the best player on the team, and the tough guy back when I was an athlete. So that's hilarious. Back when you're yeah. an athlete. Hey, you're still an athlete. I've seen you do leg drops within the past 10 years that are better. Uh, than actually, you, you missed me doing a uh, I took a second rope um, bull, uh, bulldog bay in a base, basically uh, so, from, chain, from chain marks that hurt like crap. OK, let me. And, and that was audio, that, and that's at 65. I, I still was, I was have a match say, at and, and I, I didn't want to ask your age because I'm, I'm Southern. I'm, I'm a gentleman. I am a violent gentleman, but I am a, still a gentleman. I don't ask people's ages. I've learned very quickly not to do that. But like I every time you tell me like, hey, I took a big bump every single time, Bill, I say, please stop taking bumps. Like you're going to explode. Well, I mean, I have a lot of people say, my mom says that all the time, but she's 80. My mom does too. My mom tells me that all the time, but I'm only 32. So yeah, <laughs> I, this is, this may be dumb, but a, I, I enjoy our business and B, um, I, I feel alive when I'm doing shit. So if, if I'm not doing shit, if I'm just, you know, some guy sitting around playing on a computer, uh, you know, it, I understand. No, wait, and, I've, and, I've and had the, that the, the fun thing about um, wrestling, which yes. uh, the first 20 years of my life in, in business was primarily being TV boy, putting TV shows on TV stations that led into wrestling. And for the last 20 years, give or take, I've been exclusive in wrestling and everything I've done. I got out of TV because the way I did it changed. Um, but the, the reason I ended up in wrestling, which simply happened it was not a plan it simply kept happening to me and people kept bringing it to me 
but I had always thought that wrestling was uh, the greatest art form that in my life, the, the thing I really appreciated. Other people have different things. They, I mean, I was always good in music. I, I always liked music. I always liked various other things and, you know, uh, was involved in those. But something about wrestling it, as an art form just appealed to me. It, I did. I did. Other than stand up, yeah. other than improv, stand, improv comedy. Agreed. It is a totally unique art form because regardless of, you know, real, fake and all those other aspects of discussion, the reality is it is the one of the rare forms where regardless of any backstage discussion, it will inevitably be improvised yeah. and done for the first time 99% of the time. Yeah. Rarely is a professional wrestling match actually rehearsed. Yeah. There are times, particularly when non-wrestling people are involved, that there's a rehearsal. We, we want to go through this shit. We want to work it out. Yeah. You know, like most of Hook's matches in AEW early on and likely going forward are probably worked on in advance to hide what he yes. doesn't know. Yeah, and well we're gonna get to we're gonna get to the later AEW stuff because I want to talk about like this is this is mainly like for Bill Barrett's because I'm more interested like you say 20 years ago how long have you been in the business? Uh wrestling I started uh, uh actively in 1993. 93. So okay. we're about 30 years in give or take. I was helping wrestling people in the late 80s, which is how I got introduced to Jerry Jarrett, which has led to Jerry calling me out of the blue, wanting me to help his son become a promoter. Jeff didn't want to be. I had to change the deal. And uh, then Jerry said, well, take my TV show out and see if you can get it on TV because you're doing other stuff anyway. And I was always multiply employed. I was an officer of at the time, about five companies, um, because I subcontracted myself to various people to do various things. Hey, hang on. So, hang on, because because the words, the words. So basically, you started. You decided you were going to be an agent for a bunch of companies. Is basically where you kind of like. Yeah, it, that's a way to say it. Basically, yeah. basically, um, I went to law school. I because uh, that's what I always wanted to do, and then I got there and realized that it sucked. <laughs> Oh, so it's hard. I, yeah, but I still love aspects it's, it's, of it. It's but very interesting, that, but it's very difficult to keep up with. You think wrestling's difficult? Keep up with the law. <laughs> yeah, so and, and it was mind numbing at some yeah. level because, uh, and I, my skill ended up being the only A I got was oral argument. So mm -hmm. the reality was, I realized that all I would be able to do is defend people who were guilty. Yeah. And I'd be miserable and want to kill myself. So I, quit law school after first year, told my dad, okay, thank you for, you know, helping pay for this shit. But <laughs> thank let's you. I'm sorry. <laughs> and I started working at a TV station and um, that was fun. And then I uh, went back to Atlanta and I had been writing for various people. I was a music what writer. What did you write? So you you wrote music? Well, I was a music writer, a comedy writer at one point. Comedy. Because I do want to talk comedy, but I still want to talk about how you're kind of like, my first yeah. note is let's talk about how you were in like a major player in agents and how it kind of led to you being on TV. I don't know. Yeah, well, but eventually the but... TV thing spun um, and I was, uh, I worked for my family. Then I, I quit that job. I quit my family at Christmas one time. And then I moved on, and uh, but I got hired, and this has been true of my life, thank God, um, literally, uh, is that I've never applied for a job. Um, I've one time went in and said, hey, are you hiring? And that's when I was uh, ended up as a manager of a U-Haul dealership. <laughs> okay. But Those are and, always the better Otherwise, stories. I've never submitted for anything things have just happened and wrestling just happened uh i got called by jerry jarrett to put his son in business as a promoter it didn't work out put a tv show on ended up working with uh uswa from 93 to 97 idiots had bought it put it out of business all of a sudden i needed a place to put a tv show because wwf uh at the time was distributing my show and um they were paying me to distribute a show I didn't own, which is how Jerry Jarrett got me paid. So I then all of a sudden had no place to put the show I didn't have anymore because USW went out of business and I needed it in three days. I went to Burt Prentice. We started in business. I did that for two years. And then 
my syndication became wild side and anarchy and on it went. And that side of it diminished over time because the mechanism I had to get the TV show on a bunch of stations changed as the ownership of stations changed. So what I started as, I got into wrestling primarily because I was TV boy. I then segued into, I'm a terrible promoter. I can book as I actually booked USWA. For I was going to say like, you're, you're like, so I, and this was like a big, but ace, that's ace, how ace. I got into realizing I developed talent. Yeah. And I started with um, Shane Helm, Shannon Moore, Christian York yeah. and Joy Matthews in Nashville. And that was the beginning. And, and then after that, it led to everything else because Wildside was a development territory um, regardless of WCW making one. Well, you and have like, and that's everything I've always wanted. I, I, I'm, I want to perpetuate our business and without talent, you have no business. Agreed. You, agreed wholeheartedly. And, and, and talent that knows like how to navigate it correctly. Cause there is a navigation process, but like, not only do you like you, you, you know how to like navigate the process. You also do something that a lot of people don't do whenever they're trying to give advice and trying to be like a good agent. You watch this stuff. Like if you're there, you're watching it. Like you, you always, you watch your guys' products and you know your guys' products. And then I normally insult only one or two things. Cause I learned that if you, well, well, if you overwhelm anybody, even the people that want to listen to you with more than one or two things, nothing will get fixed. Well, you but also if you don't focus on one or two things. You usually can fix it. You don't employ duds though. You can kind of, you can kind of see who's, I'm a pretty good judge of people with talent. I, I always thought you had talent, for example. Well, I appreciate it. I didn't really put much effort into it, which is, you know, kind of where my upbeat Actually, process. Actually, you did, for, you did <laughs> for a while, for a while <laughs> and you did a good job when you were doing it. Yeah, I appreciate it. That was that's is that your one compliment? Because I'm hoping let's let's get to the insults after the podcast ends. In a no, the only the only time you messed you messed up was with Marcus uh, changing the one spot and doing the cutoff on <laughs> yeah. the ring apron yeah. before going to another high spot to get to Jeff. That's, man, that was a tough time. That was a that was a yeah, that was a I, real I, panic I was, moment. And I was freaking <laughs> you pissed off because I was on the way back and y'all could have called me. Yeah. And, and 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 it's not just you. Uh, yeah. Freaking Dominic could have called me, yeah. and I would have gone, "No, you dumbasses!" <laughs> but the weird thing is, you both made that stupid mistake, um, with a the proper intention because you had watched a previous match and seen that they used a cutoff that was mm -hmm. similar to what you wanted to do to go into the high spot that was leading to the double down, leading to Jeff Cobb. And so you bet you basically said, let's change this so we don't do the same thing because then we're being good wrestlers. I've been screaming at the sky about it for three years, Bill. <laughs> but but like that, by the way, that's gold. That entire match, poof, disappeared. There's no record of it. They no, already I have it. Do you? So uh by the way, um I will I have, give, I have everything. I, will I, I you. museum. I, I still have uh, a diversity of your matches saved. See, that's terrifying because, like, I don't – I have old Boaz stuff that I always tell Gene that one day if, like, everybody's like, hey, I really want to watch you in one of the scariest locations of all time, then maybe we'll do, like, a live commentary on it. But people who have a match, I don't know. I just – it's like I can't even listen to my own podcast because I'm just so – I hate hearing my voice. I hate seeing myself. It's a – it's a whole. I thought thing. you did. I thought you did good work when we worked together at Peach State. I thought we that, had that fun. Was good, I thought that was a good run in there. That was you a looked, great. You time. looked good. You were doing fun stuff. Well, we had the big. You, know, you, we had, had, you the big and Ace actually payoff. were a decent team. Well, we had so. the big cage payoff whenever, like, you were involved in that one because that was whenever you had Logan and Tommy and yes, Hagen. When I, when I was and, Georgia Manager of the Year, time. Yes. Jeff you TV. were I always always remind people every time they come on there. Y'all remember that Peach Day time with no footage and no, you know, really hard like good editing capabilities was really smoking a lot of people's tails. Well, we had we had, Pierce's, we had Pierce's stuff. Yeah, well, 
So, like I said, like no con, like content <laughs> that was actually. I mean, he's not going to listen to this, so I'm not that worried about it. No content that I could actually show to anybody to impress. Bill, you didn't say that. You were actually you were giving the thumbs down if anybody was asking, listening to this audioly. He was totally not saying what I just said about Pierce. Totally me. But <laughs> but yeah, no, we had a great time, and we we gave people a good run for their money, and it was simple. And like even everything you did, like you had fun stuff with like because were you with um. God, I know you were with, you were with the Tommy Logan, and them. Kyle, Tommy too much. Um, and you, like, oh, and I had, uh, what's his foot? Ah, crap. I can't think of his name. Uh, other Alabama kid. Oh, Hagen. Um, oh, Hagen. Yeah. Oh, Hagen. Yeah. 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 Had him briefly. Yeah. Uh, had Gladiator Jeremiah Slimmy. Yep. Yeah. Um, he's doing, he's making some waves, and, isn't he? And America. America. Yeah. Oh, America. What a great time for Peach State. Um, so, uh, is uh, Slim Jay's making like appearances now again, right? Uh, Slimmy's doing well. Uh, Sanjay Dutt, uh, who uh, he and I go way back, yeah. Um, and uh, he got in touch, asked about Slimmy. I uh, got Slimmy hooked up. He went down, did dark, and they made it into an entire thing. And he's now in a group, yeah. And um, there he's going to go back to. Uh, uh, he's going to do the Minnesota show. I think that's August 10. And, um, you know, it's a group with Ari. They're, they're, it's, I think Tony likes it because it's uh, the concept is Trustbusters, which is here's the Ari is the um, uh, who's Sean Devari's brother. Okay. Ari is the uh, rich kid, the rich foreigner. Okay. If you'll pardon the expression, you know, yeah. that, no, that, no, that no. concept, uh, yeah. Yeah. which is basically Tony. So it's Ari is basically Tony is the way okay. I'm looking at why Tony likes it because that's yeah. how Sanjay pitched it, and then they brought in the sort of big guy that was let go from NXT, and and Slimming. And yeah. uh, I was at the uh, a building that they're they're running today in Atlanta, uh, Duluth, and um, and Jerry Lynn came up out of nowhere and was saying that he had agented in a couple of matches and that Slimmy had done fantastic. So yeah, that's good. So it always cracks me up because, like, Marv was on here a couple of weeks ago, and we didn't really talk about you. We talked about Sal briefly, but it always amazed us. Whenever yeah. you'd walk if, in, it, if it, Marv it, is on the show, you've got to talk about Marv. Come on. Uh, uh, that's true. We briefly, like, so I mentioned Sal, and, like, Marv shut it off. It was it was quite very stereotypical of Marv, and he's not going to listen to this, so I don't care if I'm saying anything poor <laughs> about it. And he would agree with me. He would say, "You it's better not hope not. that you better hope that all these people are listening. You have to build up your uh, well, your following." Well, I, no, they don't. They it doesn't matter. I could put them over every time, and they're still not. Marv is not going to follow. He doesn't know how. He did it in his floor, talking into a an earphone. Well, Marv is remarkable because he's he's both retired and busy. It's crazy. It's, he's yeah, the busiest I retired mean, he's, person. He's like an extra for everything yeah. WWE does, and he's played every extra, extra role that you possibly can play. And he's, he has and, been a doctor, lawyer, and an Indian chief, I'm convinced. <laughs> he, is, he is also the same guy that will also tell you as soon as, like, right after he gets done, it's like, I just can't do this anymore. I'm, I'm going to have to quit every time, every time he's, he's, he yes. loves wrestling and he, yes. and he hates it at the same time for whatever yes. reason, for reasons that don't make any sense. Well, here's he's, the reality. If you're going to continue to correct, uh, collect uh, wrestling action figures, you pretty <laughs> much are stuck. There is no escape. Yeah. Because you, act, you, no matter what you try to do, no matter how far you try to distance yourself from the game, you have it right there, and it's important to you. So he can't run away. Is it something that's like he's afraid, like he knows he can make a difference? Because we talk, like I've talked about promoters always wanting to like wrestle and like put themselves and because they think that it's going to promote, and I get the concept of it. But like, do you, is it a mindset of like, if I'm so invested into it to the point where I correct, collect action figures, I think I can make a difference? Oh, I, I think there's an element of uh, wrestling of people that are just purely fans and want to play. Um, and it's not necessarily the best part of our business. Yeah. Um, but in terms of talent, I... I, hey, always, it, I mean, like, Marv, Marv's also one of the better jobbers that I've seen. Like, he really is. He stands out. And then, like, he says he wants to be called a jobber. Like, 100%. He he wants to be called a when, jobber. When, when I, I just sent this... The, this message to delirious because he's going to be doing the impact tapings coming up soon cool. and um and i said oh good go jobbers go because 
one of the earliest TNA appearances he and Matt Seidel did, they worked Abyss and yeah. they bumped all over the place for him <laughs> so well. And it was so much fun because even Matt got elevated like 900 feet above, you know, like Abyss pushed him up. Yeah. It was way up in the air and they literally got a go jobbers go chant. And so that's always been a big deal for Matt Seidel, Delirious and me is the go jobbers go. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, that's like, I mean, like, that's where every everything I've ever made in this, like, industry, like, any kind of reputation of being talented is because I sell like a jobber. And, like, I take that as a No, huge, no, you, like, you were at the, you don't have the long hair now, unfortunately. Well, but I you, don't, I, I looked like a jobber, were, an old jobber. You were one of the people I refer to as a long hair cell monkey. Um, and, <laughs> yeah. and. There have been great long hair cell monkeys. Ricky Morton is the is the uh, godfather. Mm -hmm. And in my life, Jimmy Rave was my first one. Jeremy V was my second one. Air Paris was sort of in there. Um, and but you can you know it's it's long hair cell monkey will always get over. It is. Um, it is. Well, it's it's it gives somebody to somebody because there's always one person in the crowd who enjoys watching that person get beat up, and then there's no, no, also. No, it's well, I mean, no, it's also no, the, the true, kids that are like the excited. business in the purest sense. Purest sense is, um, and it works best with you know attractive people, obviously. But if you're a decent-looking person, long hair helps. Yeah. And if you take an ass kicking but you don't give up, you yeah. know, you're alive. Yeah. And you're able to show that you you want to come back. It, it's literally if, the, it, the it literally if you can, yeah. Rest. Ricky Morton used to piss off heels because. He was so good at selling that in the old days when the crowd was less controlled yeah, um, and people were getting knifed periodically, <laughs> they, he would get the crowd so fired up, the heel would be in the ring going, would you fucking stop this <laughs> comeback? Please, stop. Please. I, I have you to get know, out of the ring. I have to I get out of the ring here in a because second. Because yeah. if Ricky didn't stop literally in some towns, Louisiana in particular, if 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 you try to get back to the locker room, you might yeah. well get stabbed. Yeah. I mean, I, there I are mean, so many Cornette loves to tell stories about how many times they fought back to the locker room. And it used to be a thing at Boaz, I mean it it ended Alabama ends about 10 years, like bad decision making ends about 10 years too late. And fans stabbing at people like Right when I started, there had been like a somebody pulling a knife on one of my buddies at the time who was already wrestling, and like that's the kind of heat that happened back then in those small towns that had okay, even okay baby faces because people like people die for it. I don't know everybody wants to be a heel in this kind of like industry right now, but like man, that baby face. Like I always tell people, like, baby being, faces. Being a heel is easy. Yeah. Um. Uh, because well, the key is um without somebody to care about there is no conflict yeah. therefore there is no story therefore wrestling can't perform if if you're just doing a bunch of spots mm -hmm. and it's one of those kind of deals it's fine nothing wrong with that but it isn't the art form the art form is not the um pyrotechnics the art form is the emotion emotion exactly it's, and, it's a play it's an entire play yeah, yeah, and if you can't get an audience engaged, then the rest of it—I mean, it's wonderful. If you're a fan, if you're a fantastic athlete and flip all over the place, you mm -hmm. know, yeah, yeah, you. And it it, but, it allows you to be like that's where your improbability, like being a good wrestler, you have to improb your athlete, and like athleticism is really key. And like that's where it saved me. Sure, my blonde hair and halfway decent abs were super helpful in getting me there, but my athleticism at my younger ages allowed me to make improv decisions that might have been better that i improv them than in, if i called them or whatever the wrestling was. wrestling is an improv art form exactly. and a unique one and and you know i wish it had greater respect for as an art form as mm -hmm. as opposed to a mainstream mm -hmm. audience thing because the the ga that's associated with wrestling has taken over at some level well, it's such an unachievable that, task. It's such an unachievable task. Like, it's so hard to fight that. Like, it, it is an art. Why can't it be treated like an art? I mean, if you if you gave this much credential to any independent, like, concert, if, like, that was your concert numbers, man, that'd be a good concert. Like, you know musicians. 
like especially for like live music and stuff like that like that's very good yeah well I, the the key the key to this particular art form is the is the establishment of characters create a reason for them to interact and deliver a payoff and if you're doing it well create an arc give them something to do and um the negative the business has right now is there's a tendency to rush things because the audience has uh, a really bad attention span. Uh, the newest audience to any was that was media, the, was that the new audience or was that my yeah, no, the new audience, audience right now is a five minute audience. So okay. you're you're dealing with you know uh, and it's it's not just kids. It's developing into the people in their twenties where literally they are more engaged with things that are brief as opposed to things with substance. So the longer things are, the more difficult it is to get people engaged at a high level because most people get bored quickly even, and it's tougher to get them engaged. So you have to figure out how to bring them in and also play to the way the media has gone now, the way the marketplace has gone now, which is into short bites. Okay. So I want to talk a little bit because like I'm a big music guy, you're a big music guy. I'm a big live music guy. I love live music, man. We we've talked about Billy Joel, like Billy Joel's an unbelievable live musician, all that other stuff. So like whenever you see live musicians perform, they'll do their entire set list. Like if and especially something that's not recorded, but whenever you see them go on shows, they're only doing a song. Like they're only doing a song. Is that like why do those not rules not apply whenever it comes to television with wrestling? Because I feel like that if that's the answer, then give them what they want. Give people. Well, the- yeah. At the, at the same time, uh, you know, you have to figure out what that song should be, and and it's the same thing with you know performer coming in and doing a match. It's what which song is it? Because if you're using the analogy to music, um, hopefully range. To the artist, you know, using Billy Joel as the example, um, he was relatively consistent in terms of the flow of his music and and the way he structured his stuff. But he had a combination of of things. You know, he would do mm-hmm. he'd be able to do stuff that had a lot of layers and went on forever, like Captain Jack, or he'd do you know the standard barroom thing with Piano Man, or eventually he'd move into more standard schlocky rock and rolly shit you know he'd be able to it depends what the audience wants at the time and a little bit of that is true in wrestling too i mean there was never really a pure back in the day even for wrestling and the the fact that wrestling in its early days was able to spend disbelief easier doesn't mean it still doesn't happen you've been involved in it you know you've been around situations at small shows where those 200 people believe the energy. what you the were energy. doing yeah. was happening and was real. The energy feels home. like a thousand people. The energy is a, a the feeling yeah, yeah, yeah. of a but, thousand people. But the key people, is they're willing to believe in the exactly, moment. Exactly, exactly. And that's what, I mean, it's like, um, they're, unfortunately, I'm gonna, he's never going to listen to this either. Stupid always said that it felt like the energy of the room would like literally pump him up. And it was like, okay, well, that kind of makes sense. And that's why he always did that. And it was so basic, but it's true. And it's like, it's it's forgotten a lot of times sometimes like even because so so many people are nervous maybe because like that that nervous like that nervous moment man it's a it's a moment because i mean from experience once you go out there and nobody knows who the hell you are man that just that kind of hits you and your heart drops and you're like oh man this is gonna be i'm really this is all my nerves hit me really hard and and actually those moments uh in terms of me trying to help somebody are always good moments. Yeah. Because if you can go out and engage the crowd mm-hmm. and do it in the right way, um, a mistake that almost everybody makes in wrestling is trying too hard Yep. as opposed to performing. And the, the, that's different. If you're trying too hard, you're going out, you're slapping hands around ringside, you're in the ring, come on, whatever town. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're doing all that yeah. stuff that in no way is branding you and in no way is making them get engaged or you don't do all that shit and you go out and you 
allow if you, you know, say your baby face working with a good heel or at least a heel, let that heel take you down, find a way to show fire, find a way to show heart. And if you're going over and under, it doesn't matter. Just make sure the crowd understands, okay, who am I in this moment? Why do you give a fuck? Yeah. And if you can't do that in the ring, then you're doomed anyway. You can't, you, you'll never get over just by talking. Yeah. And you either have to get over on your, your, I mean, so uniquely different. Like Ultimate Warrior was a terrible wrestler. Yeah. But he got to the ring so well and he looked good that he was going to be a star. Those are the exceptions. They're not the rule. Yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't, and not everybody can be Barry Bonds and hit, you know, 100 million home runs, even with a little bit of help. I mean, even with no help, not everybody's going to be Babe Ruth, Shohei Ohtani. Um, like, I mean, like, nobody's going to. The steroid thing makes no sense. You still, you still got to oh, hit the fucking oh, ball. Oh, I mean, you've got to see it. And like, that's. No, you're still going to see the ball. You got to yeah. hit the ball. And, yeah. and steroids oh. don't help that. Steroids just provide, on uh, you know, a little more strength, maybe. Oh, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And that's a, that's a whole topic. Bill, and, if, ste if, and steroids hurt more than help in the long run. Oh, so my it's God. Like, it's like not even a good thing. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's 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 hard to say. It's probably most people would say it's not worth it long term, but it's definitely one of those situations that like if you want to be successful and go further than what normal people go and like really push yourself, it's a hundred percent necessary in any business. Like that's that's just the way it I, is. I just I disagree. I think that and it's the way I transitioned some of my primary clients is please don't do them to try to get there. Use them as a way to get well if you need it. Um, and the one thing steroids can do is if you're hurt in various ways, it can accelerate your really? rehab, okay. um, particularly when you're working a lot. And mm -hmm. wrestling is one of those, mm -hmm. if you're getting well paid, you're working frequently. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's so the, yeah, like that's you're either where, working frequently or you're not getting paid. come in yeah. and help. Yeah. Um, if you're doing them simply to get bigger, you're also going to get hurt yeah. as a given. If mm -hmm. all you do is get bigger on steroids, you will get hurt. Yep. Agreed. Agreed wholeheartedly. And there's been a lot of people who've shown that not in just wrestling business all over the it, world. I always analogize it and try to explain to the guys, if you enhance your muscle growth beyond the ability of your support system, it's the equivalent of putting up a building with aluminum nails. <laughs> you're, you're going to tear a bicep, yeah, fuck up a shoulder. And if you look at all the injuries that steroid guys have, they're all connective tissue. Yeah. And it's always like you don't, you don't, injuries are, and a lot of people know, understand injuries, especially the older, like it's, and we'll talk about this on the other side, actually. I'm about to go to commercial, but like knowledge from even whenever I first started into now is just crazy different, but we'll talk about that on the other side. So we're going to come back right after this, Bill. If you don't mind waiting through this commercial, it's like three minutes long. You can get up and do whatever you need to do and stretch your legs. Um, be back in three minutes and we'll talk more, okay? Okay. All right. Are you looking to have a good time? Well, head on down to Happy Hour Comedy Club and Restaurant in Aniston, Alabama. Shoot you some pool, play you some darts, or head on over to the bar and get you a cold beer or one of them fancy cocktail drinks. They got all that. You hungry? Get you one of the best pizzas in Aniston or anything else off the menu. They got burgers, tacos, chicken wings, anything you want. Every Thursday night, they got open mic comedy and karaoke and live comedy every Friday and Saturday night with some of the top comedians from across the United States. Go to happyhourcomedyclub.com for more information and tell them why did Jenkins sent you. Hey guys, this is Wolfie D from PG-13. Check out my podcast, Live and in Color with Wolfie D, every Monday at noon. We're talking Memphis, we're talking ECW, WCW, WWF, everywhere that I've been. We even have some great guests, some Hall of Famers on the show with us. Every Monday at noon, Live and in Color with Wolfie D. Do you like barbecue? Well, of course you do, unless you're some kind of weirdo or wasn't raised right. So if you want to get some of the best barbecue around, check out P3 Barbecue. Our buddy David Estes does it up right. He'll be glad to cater to your next event or just send you some of his award-winning sauce right there to your own doorstep. 
Go over and check them out on the Facebooks at facebook.com slash P3Barbecue or give old David a call at 901-679-3452 and tell him Whitey Jenkins sent you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling, the podcast that's based on the old school but can still help you find the good stuff from today. Dangerous Dan Colley, the Professor Jimmy Street, and the Plastic Sheik Jared are the undisputed six-man tag team champions of the wrestling podcast world. From thought-provoking topics to superstar interviews to action figure expertise, this trio does it all. And all they ask is, give me back my pro wrestling. Every other Thursday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Get ready to get inspired. It's Xander's Inspirational Podcast, the brand new podcast with upbeat Xander's as he has one-on-one podcast sessions that both inspire and inform. Check it out as Xander's has a one-on-one interview with some of your favorite people in and out of the professional wrestling business. Give it a listen on GPTVLive.com. It's the Old School Dives Pro Wrestling Podcast with Shane Knowles and Gene Jackson. Every episode, they will take a deep dive into old school professional wrestling, pro wrestlers' events, all sorts of great topics will be covered every two weeks right here on Old School Dives. You can find it at CheapHeatTVLive.com and at YouTube.com slash CheapHeatTV. It's Old School Dives with Shane Knowles and Gene Jackson. Hey, we'll, we'll edit that. We'll definitely edit that one in post. Probably not. We'll probably just put it up exactly the way it is. And we are back with Bill Barons. Bill, I am unbelievably not talented at editing all this, but as you can see, my co-host gene jackson does a great job with commercial stuff <laughs> yeah no it looks fine yeah i mean it's fun we just we kind of play around with it we had marv unfortunately your guy mike posey uh bailed on us and i'll throw down with p dog whatever he wants to handle that business but uh you've got yeah, he, pro- like, he, he probably got busy he he's he's a busy dyke that's what that's another one like he's a weird busy <laughs> he's one of the weirder busy guys like gene was like i tried having a conversation like we had a podcast one time and he didn't say that much but yeah he's not much of a talker he's more of a doer a lot of very much so yeah, <laughs> yeah unbelievably nice guy i mean but you got he gets he gets to be called my favorite person uh because uh griff garrison and marcus cross who i'm helping now mm-hmm. uh, are my latest project yeah uh, said one time are we your favorite people and i said no it's probably michael my posy no i mean i, I get it He's he's one of those guys that when you see him walk in the thing, you immediately know your day A is going to get better and easier B. Always. He's yeah. it's crazy. <laughs> like he's it's it's a fun I mean shout out to Posey. I actually hope he listens to this. That would be nice. But, you know, okay, so you talked about Griff and Cross. Let's I mean like you're you're pretty entangled and when it comes to like being an agent, you're pretty damn good at it because you've agented a lot of really good guys. As a manager, you're pretty successful at it. I mean, where are these kids at? Because they're they're still I still consider them kids. I know they've been doing it forever, but they're still great. Uh, Griffey Griffey's signed. He's got a five year deal. Yeah, year yeah. two was optioned. He's getting paid. Cool. Um, Marcus. I know he uh, got hurt. Dark, no, I know he did. Just did I, dark I've been again. Do that. Yep. I've been seeing Marcus been doing a lot of dark and doing. Yep. I actually saw. And I deal. still have them doing Master Machine on the Indies. They Good. wrestled FTR with Mick Foley. I got to play in that match. They cool. wrestled the Rock that. and Roll. They wrestled uh, the Hardys. Yeah. Before Jeff had his issues. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We won't get into that one. We will gladly not get into that whole issue. But no, those. I mean, they're they're very successful. I mean, it's one of those things, and I'll also say this, and like we'll talk about them some more if you want to, but I'll say this easily, walking in and saying, hey, I know Bill, you know Bill Barron's, especially in the southeast Georgia scene, oh my God, like that's easy, even Tennessee, like it's it, now especially, but big shows, you walk in there, you're 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 pretty over if you know Bill Barron's. Well, that's cool. Um, <laughs> I... I, I and yet I have weird heat with people and I never know why. Um, it's it's yeah, one of those things, Honestly, Bill. I have never deliberately tried to hurt anybody. 
Yeah. Um, even when I was, you know, uh, doing wild side and stuff mm -hmm. where I was the total decision maker, I, I, it was rare that I, uh, blackballed anybody in my brain. I mean, and blackballed is a word word. It just means, okay, I'm not going to use this person. Not ever. Yeah. Yeah. There really are only two should not be times used. that ever happened. Yeah. yeah. Literally only two or three times. And I've worked with, and I, hundreds at least maybe thousands of people yeah who was that okay wait can can you give me the hottest head you've ever worked with i it's not hottest it's stupid. okay okay um, stupid is stupid. Stupid. like i there was a kid who went uh, went as biohazard who's uh um who, who's apologized to me but he was constantly <laughs> fucking up it, it was just so many times <laughs> How how many times have you had to sit somebody? What was the worst you had to sit somebody down and be like, okay, that was dumb. <laughs> what was the worst? Well, I know I do that a lot. Yeah, I know uh, that. What was the worst? The worst? Uh, um, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I've dealt with, you know, like, New Jack was one of my good friends. So <laughs> yes, I've dealt, okay. I've dealt with it. Okay, uh, this would be probably the example, but it's not exactly the answer. Okay. Uh, New Jack broke a rule I never knew could be broken, at least if in terms okay. of when you present the rule. Yeah. I had a rule, New Jack lived with me for a period of time in my, in my condo when he was between stuff. Yeah. And he spent most of the day being wonderful and playing um, video games. Okay. And I gave him one rule, which was he could not do crack. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and he broke the no crack rule. Okay. Uh, I came home one day and I spelled something I'm not, I don't know. And yeah. I went, okay. And I walk out and see him with the pipe and I go, Jack. And he looks at me <laughs> and he's like a puppy at that point. Yeah. And I go, all right, you uh, broke the no crack rule. I'm taking you somewhere. Where am I taking you tomorrow? <laughs> and you know, that literally that was the truth. Yeah. I, but I've done that with, with a lot of people. Like uh, uh, Jack I, is one of the people I cared about yeah. more than it. Luke Hawks is somebody I cared about, and I made him go home to Louisiana because he wouldn't go to the gym in Atlanta when I was trying to get him hired by WWE. Yeah. So I sent him home. Yeah. And, and then, then he taught me a lesson by becoming the guy with the big F in arms. Well, so. and, and that's that's necessary. Like, I always, like, I've got friends who were athletes in high school, and, like, whenever they first get into it, they kind of talk to me about it. And I, I generally see athletes within the wrestling business, and I'm shocked by it at this point. So I gravitate to them and talk to them a little bit more. And they always, like, okay, well, what do you have to do? Well, you've got to be in shape. I don't care if you can talk, can't talk, who gives a shit. You do have to be in shape. You have to be in a, a shape that looks like you can fight. That's it. That's the answer. Well, I mean, or you you have to have a shape that fits whatever you're trying to do. Um, I used who would to, be in a fight? How about who yeah, would be in a fight? <laughs> whatever I've done, whatever I've done seminars, the one thing I almost always end up saying, even if I don't plan it, is somebody will ask the question, "What do I need to do to be a star?" And um, and you'll look at that person, and almost without exception, I, I hate to say. It's never somebody that's going to be a star. Yeah. <laughs> it's always somebody yep. that is a big piece of toast. Yeah. So uh, you look at that person and, you know, they usually have a T-shirt on. They usually have a body yep. that nobody wants. And I always say, what do you see when you look in a mirror? Um, do you see somebody you see on TV? Or yeah. are you looking in some kind of freaking clown mirror <laughs> where you see skinny when it's fat or yeah. muscles when it's not? How are you doing this? Because that's the answer to your question. How do I make it? Well, if you look like crap <laughs> yeah. and you're selling that you look like crap and in the way you present yourself, then you don't have a chance in hell. And so <laughs> you've answered your own question when you ask the question. Yeah. Yeah, I just I also think like you I've I've I ask you whenever I start new adventures, I always kind of ask you for advice about stuff. And I asked you one time about a faction stuff, and we're gonna talk about I think it's this upcoming podcast. We're gonna do the live show about the who's your top five favorite factions, and I have no idea who I'm gonna choose, so don't ask me yet. I'll know by Sunday for sure. But like you always say find your lane and like that's a lot of guys' problems is their lack of success is because they don't find their lane. 
and it's it's astounding to me. It's like they they're they see themselves in the mindset of, hey, I look like a legit dude who can legit fight, and that might not just be the case. Like Re- I mean, wrestling is wrestling is an art form. Yeah, <laughs> you have to, yeah, it, it's not. If you want to be a badass, legit, there are mechanisms that you can go into the MMA. Yeah, and you can try to be a badass. You can yeah. box and try to be a badass. <laughs> you can go into aggressive mud wrestling. Yeah, what the f? You yeah. can do any of this shit. Uh, it's fine. Yeah, it, it's, if it's, you're going to be a wrestler, you are by definition a performer. Yeah, and get over yourself, and you have to figure out how do you perform to become a star. Yeah, and once you become a star, and once everybody's kissing your ass, then you can you know, do better. Yeah. But until you get to that point, it's who am I and why does anybody give a fuck? Yeah. You know, it's literally, that's wrestling. It, and it's the same thing in any form of entertainment. If you're a performer, if you're playing music, who am I? Does anybody want to hear my songs? Yep. If you're a comedian, am I funny? Yep. If you're an actor, uh, you know, does this TV show suck? It, mm-hmm. It's the same thing. Um, yep. And that's one of the areas where some people get into wrestling and just really just don't get it. It literally <laughs> is just they don't, they don't get it. Yeah. They oh. believe that they're owed something rather than having to perform to the level that people want to give them something. Yeah. Yeah, I completely understand it. And it kind of like and it, you see it more even in acting. It's crazy that I see it more in acting and like even comedians and definitely musicians like they find the people who suit them the best and like make a, put a bright light on the um, talents that you have. And then they start traveling together and start showing that off. But like a lot of times with wrestlers, they just, they find people who make them feel comfortable. They don't find people that make them better. And it's just, it, it blows my mind. And then well, I ask why I'm most, not successful. Most people aren't really serious about making a living in wrestling. They're Agreed. playing with themselves and they're mm-hmm. just going in to have fun on the weekend. They're there. Um, and that's one of the challenges of my limited, mm-hmm. um, impact in this business is I have to try best I can mm-hmm. to identify the people I think can actually do more. Yeah. And then it's up to them. You know, yeah. I can only keep saying, okay, I'm going to give you this opportunity, whatever it is. Yeah. And then you have to figure out if that's what you want to do. Because there's no guarantee that, you know, and, and this is where a lot of kids coming into any form of entertainment, if I do this, they're going to love me and I, it's all going to be great. No, it, it no, may not be. It might and not the be. spot may not allow you to do that. May not even so, give you an opportunity. Absolutely. Because yeah, so I mean, you have to figure yeah. out how do I do the best I can in that moment yep. and make sure that the next time they're thinking about somebody to do that spot, it's, now, if you're not willing to you. do those progressive things, if all you want to do is go play at a show and perform in front of that crowd, there's nothing wrong with that. No, not at all. But you need to then understand that don't assume you are a star, nor that you're actively in the business. Or there's you should even be my, taking In my mind, spot. there's a big difference about being a professional wrestler mm-hmm. and a hobbyist. Agreed. And there are only so many people that are truly professional wrestlers. And those are the people that are trying to get beyond where they are. Agreed. Agreed wholeheartedly. And that's, you know, that's, um, I don't think people are as honest with themselves. And that's really unfortunate because like I've started, I mean, for right now where my life is, I'm doing it as more of a hobbyist. It's, it's just not, I'm still young enough. I can change my mind. Yeah, yeah. I always, I I always thought you're an example in a good, in a good way of the whole thing. I, I, you know, I believed you to be talented and believe you can be whenever you want to be. But for a variety of reasons, you've always had life, life, uh, distractions. But in the moment and, and whenever I could, I would then give you, you know, go do this. Yeah. Yeah. It just, you never know. 
and, and always, and it was always unbelievably helpful, and actually was like every at every opportunity, like everything you've ever asked me to do and tell me to do, and like it suggests for me to do, has always made it easier for me to do the one thing that kind of is difficult for me, which is cut a single promo, like just to be in front of a camera. Like I could do it a little bit better, but that's because I've got comfortable with myself because I you didn't give me a choice. Like I was just comfortable. Like I, yes. I didn't, well, I got I, put I in the other you, you, had to, you had to either embrace or defeat your accent. Yeah. Um, and yeah. you had to figure out how to work around it yeah. and talk naturally. Yeah. And I have. I, unfortunately, my voice is unbelievably raspy and I don't enjoy listening to it, but I have just decided it's just going to no, be. No, you're what fine. It is. No, you've always sounded good. You've, you've never had a problem with that. <laughs> I appreciate it. But okay. So. I appreciate it being considered a good example of a Bill Barron's guys not listening to him to be successful. Now, like, what well, about... Well, no, no, you, you just... It, well, no, I mean... Again, you, had, you had to decide at some point, like everyone with talent, um, do I really want to chase it and can I? And and the first is the easier, the second is the it's hardest, the hardest. Yep. which is... What else is going on in my life at the time? Yep. Um, what else have I gotten myself into? It could be a relationship, could be a yep. job, it could be any number of Anything. things when you're young. So that's the ends up being the challenge. I mean, you know, go to AJ's career. Yeah. He turned down WWE because he had just after the WCW contract where he wasn't paid a lot of money, but he was, you know, $750 a week. It wasn't a I, lot of money. I, so but he had decided to get a house with his then new wife. Was he going to go to Heartland Championship Wrestling in the first offer they gave him? Well, that meant he'd had to relocate to Cincinnati. Well, no. So he has to go, I want to chase this, but. Yeah. <laughs> and then it, you know, so, but he kept going. And yeah. clearly it finally led to a really good thing for him. But it, it was one of those, he had these opportunities but then he had to weigh it against all of the other stuff. And not everybody can weigh everything against the other stuff and keep running, you know, running up the treadmill. Yeah. And so, of course, of course, I'm pressing. I've got to press Tom with this question because I, I enjoy listening to these stories. And I can remember being in the living room watching these events happen and like all these moments. How crazy was the lead up to the AJ Styles actual contract and like it being a, like, I know it was official, like happening, but like, I understand secret, but like, how was there any kind of moments? They were like, okay, maybe this won't happen. Maybe this is going to happen in a different way. Like how crazy was that? Were you involved in that? Uh, no, I, yeah, I did all of it. Um, okay. <laughs> but, That's what I thought. <laughs> but uh, the, um, the reality was he had signed a letter of intent uh, for want of a better word with impact with, with Dixie mm -hmm. in a meeting that I wasn't at. Okay. And he had done it with Gallows and uh, Anderson okay, because he wanted to help them too. Yeah. And it was a good deal. Nothing wrong with it money wise. Mm -hmm. But at the time um, the negotiation was dishonest on TNA's side because they had no money. And yeah. this led into the Billy Corgan stuff that led into lawsuits that led yep, into that a bunch of in, shit. Yeah. Um, but again, I didn't. We didn't know that was the problem. I just knew that they weren't where AJ needed to be. Regardless, well, it seemed, yeah, it seemed shady, and it, 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 even at that time, because I can remember that time, like I saw it before that and after, and kind of during. But like, even like you could see it and I'm not going to disparage any other companies' names, but like you could see it and you could see it in a lot of companies whenever the, the money was slowly bleeding out, you could see it. I mean, you could see it during well, the and Dixie and, was running as fast as she could because yeah. her dad was only willing to continue to put so much more money in. She mm -hmm. needed to find other money and she had made a huge mistake years before, but regardless with Alan, um, he does, he wanted to end his career with TNA. That mm -hmm. was his goal. Um, and he was, and he knew I didn't agree with him necessarily. <laughs> and, um, but he did this tentative deal. And uh, then I got with Big at the time, uh, uh, John Gabernick, who happened to be in charge and had no idea what he was doing. And I got with him and I went through all the terms of what we were willing to do. And he was supposed to send me a contract that had all that stuff in it. And when he sent the contract, none of it was in it, literally none of it. And I got with him and said, hey, uh, John, <laughs> contract, none of it. 
And he went, oh, I didn't read the contract. And I go, fuck, you have no idea what you're doing. And um, at that point, I called Alan. It was Christmas Eve, uh, uh, whatever the year it was. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I'm literally at my mom's with family trying to redline a contract to get it fixed, realizing that I have to rewrite this entire contract <laughs> to get it fixed. Yeah. And I told Alan, and it happened. He was able to interact with Triple H, and Triple H said, yeah, we have some interest. And we ended up doing a deal and protected his trademark, and he went there. Uh, and I did the first three-year deal, and he's done the rest after that. Yeah, it's 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 crazy because like people, I, I don't. But I don't TNA read. fucked up. If TNA they had did. fucked up, he would have gone they there. They did, and that's crazy because that would have changed the whole landscape. Because he was, I mean, he wasn't kind of a big free agent. He's a huge free agent. He's huge. The key is the key is, and and this is the again goes back to developing talent. Is when TNA was done, he was going to go back to TNA at the time WWE hired him. But we had two years in between where he was recreated as an international star. He was with Ring of Honor. He was with yep. New Japan. And he was on Indies. And he was the biggest guy in the business. All on his own. He did that on his own. Like, yes. It was, well, that's yeah, what I mean, we did. That, yeah, we that's, had that to was y'all's game him. plan. Yeah, and nobody, game plan was, yeah. literally no one that booked him ever promoted him based on his TNA history. And it's amazing because he's the most the most decorated yep. champion in the history of the company. But literally no one, when he was doing R&D stuff for the two years before WWE, no one. No one ever promoted him as TNA guy. Well, I mean, is it just because they did? They I don't know if it was it seeing the writing on the wall. Like, was it just stupid? No, no, no. It's, <laughs> it, it's simply that and it, it, TNA ruined the branding they had done. It's crazy. And nobody cared <laughs> that he had been there even though he was the best thing they had ever done. TNA's, it's the biggest mistake Dixie made was she didn't trust what Jeff had done yeah. in building people that were branded specifically to TNA. Yep. That and, exhibition um, was crazy. And AJ was, was the golden boy of yep. that. And as soon as Dixie, and as soon as Jeff went home in 2008 and Dixie came in in 2009 on her own, uh, with with Vince sort of helping, and brought Hogan and Bischoff in, and yeah. I and I I help Bischoff now, so I'm I like Eric, but it was the biggest mistake they Is made it, because Dixie immediately told the audience in 2009 that everything they had done before that didn't matter, and okay. that bigger stars were these guys. Yeah, and AEW is doing a little of that now. Yeah, um, I was gonna they, ask. They're they're. <laughs> abandoning the people they started with and they're embracing castoffs at some level. Yeah. And it's, it's, I mean, it's one of those things where Which I think it's a mistake, but you know, it, well, I mean, I was going to say it's because those, those, those guys who have the brands behind them also, just like you just said with T AJ, that name is synonymous with a AEW. It's not synonymous with anybody else. Nobody's going to top in Google, you know, a WWE Sammy Guevara. Nobody's going to top that in. Everybody, it's got to be AEW every time, and then you're going to see more stuff, and maybe you'll chase yeah. that rabbit. And, rabbit and like, fortunately, there are a few people AEW's branded they're sticking with, mm -hmm. but I think you know, I think when you mm, yeah. and no disrespect <laughs> to any of the people because I like them all, yeah, but anytime you bring in Brian Danielson, Punk, um, and a diversity, and, and literally so many people coming out, all of whom were established as characters within WWE, mm -hmm. you're not growing your product you're borrowing you're yeah. saying okay we're gonna take this guy that was over and we're literally going to move them yeah and do the same exact thing is is so I, that, I, I, mean, that, I think at that point you're not growing your product but but you know well, well okay so when i tons of billionaire you can do it i was about to say yeah i was about to say <laughs> and i like by the way that everything every podcast i always put him over on mine and i know to god he's not listening to it but like tony khan seems like a very smart and intelligent man when it comes to his money and like 
he has that much money and he seems intelligent. He's enthusiastic and like puts way more effort into any of it than me and you and everyone in the planet combined. It's crazy. That he's dude seems he's, he's a hardworking young man. Yes. And, and his only problem is he only knows what he knows. And yeah. that's not being mean. It's just you can't have context. Uh, let me back up and always use me as an example. I, uh, out of nowhere, when I was at w, uh, uh, USWA in 1995, Larry Burton, who had bought the company with Lawler from Jerry Jarrett, called me and said, I, I'm going to send you the script that Mike Samples has done. I want you to rebook it. And I went, really? And he goes, yes. And I go, well, I've never done that. And he goes, it doesn't matter. We think you can do it. <laughs> and so I was booking. USWA in 1995 for a brief period of time. Then Dutch Mantel came in. Yeah. And Dutch Mantel sat down with me and and we were booking. And he was in charge, thank God. <laughs> but he's a guy that was trained by Eddie Graham, much like yeah. Dusty Rhodes was, much like Jerry Jarrett was. People, you know, mm -hmm. and booking is an art form as part of our greater art form. Yeah. And so I was able to go, oh, okay. Ah. Uh, Thank you. And I had the ability to learn from somebody who knew that we're doing. Tony does not. Tony has that ability because he has some people there he could learn from, but he's not necessarily paying Learned. attention. Well, now, it's, the, only, it's, the only encouraging thing is um, uh, one of the people I've worked with for a long time, Sanjay Dutt, is involved. Good. And, he, okay, and, and Chris Daniels mm -hmm. and Jerry Lynn. And you know, the all yeah. these people I've been around for a long that have time. been successful without much without much help. Yeah, and and if and I think if he's smart, they're enough in his peer group mm -hmm. that he'll pay attention. Pick some, pick I some don't stuff think up. he's necessarily going to pay attention to the previous generation, the Arn no. Andersons, the Tully Blanchards, no. the well, I mean, he's he's got a like that's always been my one thing with Khan is like he's got his hand in a lot of pots. Like that's like he's a hardworking dude, but man, even for a hardworking dude, that dude go, does so much stuff. Like, yeah, I, 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 I have no idea yeah. how he's I mean, how he's doing it without a major cocaine habit. So. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not going to put that speculation out there. Bill, no, no, I'm just saying we're I mean, not going to aggregate when you're, this when you're, when you're running that fast and you're. I mean, he's still. He's still involved in the draft for the Jaguars. <laughs> it's crazy. It's bananas. That guy yeah. is moving. Like, I mean, has... I used to I used to have five jobs and I was able to do it when I was young. So I get it. But he's doing it at a way higher money level it's, than I was. Man, it's I love I love living. That's my favorite thing to do. I'll always say that. But just working so hard is so difficult for me to wrap my brain around. I'm enjoying my life exactly, which is it's sitting here talking to you. I know it. Uh, maybe this is supposed to be work. Maybe this is considered work. I'll consider it work for right now. But it's been a, it's been a pleasure. It's been a fun job at least today. Well, good. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully I haven't screwed up too bad. No, no. This has been you, you, you. Whenever we were messaging back and forth, and you know, well, I don't know. I don't have a necessarily a hard ending for this, so maybe we'll cut all this out and post edit. Probably not. I'm really lazy when it comes to these. But like, we, you, you kind of just like, oh, I don't. We'll, we'll see. We'll see if this is going to be good. Oh, it's perfect. This is going to be awesome. It's we hit our. We were not over. We were not super long winded. Everything I talked about, I had I had a great time. I really did. I appreciate well, it, Bill. No, I you, hope you're, you're a good you're a good kid. Well, I appreciate so. it. Hopefully, hopefully you had enough fun because Marv said that he was coming back on here and sure he was just blowing smoke to make us feel better. But like I'm sure Gene and I don't know how I'm sure I'm sure you didn't watch much of the commercial, but the great Shane Knowles and Gene Jackson do old school dives where they talk about older wrestlers. And who are they doing? Oh man, Gene's gonna be so mad at me whenever he listens to this because I'm not gonna know who he's doing this week. Um, is it Jesse Ventura? Did he do Jesse Ventura? Either way, so he's doing them, and I'm sure he'll put a great graphic up here and just cut all this. But uh, I never met Jesse. <laughs> there's so many. There, there are very few of the guys that I you think I might have met that I just. <laughs> that's I always look back and go, who have I not met that I should. <laughs> It's one Jesse, of those. Yeah. Jesse's one of those guys. I've never met Jesse. I'm gonna be like that much later in my days. You know, I'm sure. I, I I was around Roddy Piper numerous times. Okay, so here's what here's what we'll do. If if you don't mind this, and I'll suggest this to Gene, and I'm sure I can coax minute. Um, if you want to do, if they do an old school dives on uh 
Roddy Piper, I'll, can you come in and do that one? It won't be longer than an hour. It might yeah, be late I at night. I don't have a lot. I oh, oh, shit, that reminded me. <laughs> Thank you. I have to return a phone call. I forgot Roddy's daughter contacted me, and I've totally forgot to call her back. <laughs> Breaking news. <laughs> He's talking to Roddy. He's helping the agent no, I, I mean, stars. Talking, oh, that, uh, that's actually bad of me because she called me <laughs> no. yesterday and left a message, and I totally forgot to call her today because I was doing the AW thing. Well, well that's how that's how we're. I mean, well, that's how we'll promote all this. I'll I'll let you go, and we'll let you cook, make your phone calls. My inspiration. Oh no, I'm not going to call her tonight. I'll call her in the morning. <laughs> okay. Well, I was going to say my inspiration is I encouraged you to work harder at your job and go past the. the no, you reminded hour. me. I forgot to call Roddy <laughs> Piper's daughter, and AJ so, had actually sent her to me. So that's like it's like mean. You're, you're welcome. If anything, I'm pretty much I'm hoping for a bird dog fee for reminding you or flowers on Secretary Day. Okay, we'll try. Okay. We'll try. All right, Bill. Well, once again, I appreciate you coming on. I'm actually going to take this thing off live, and then I want to talk to you privately. So don't just jump off here, okay? All right, fine. All right, all right. All right. All right. <laughs> oh, hang on, I cut you off. I cut you off early. Say bye to the audience, Bill, real Goodbye quick. Bye to the audience. <laughs> Thank you, Bill. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was super easy. I appreciate everybody being on here. I'm going to do an outro, which is just going to be our cool music in the background. If you don't have it. We're on Facebook, YouTube, all that other stuff. And Sunday night, we'll be back on here at 6 p.m. Central Time. We'll talk to you soon, guys. Bye.